take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Started last week looking at the seven churches that are mentioned here in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. blessing to see so many kids and continue to pray with me and pray that we can get the drawings done on the new building and uh, all the classrooms and and uh, just being able to better minister to our kids in the community and so you continue to pray with us on that continue to give as you have been and and uh, we will uh, Lord willing uh, get that started before too long and Will you pray for us as we're trying to, to just make sure we have everything in the building that we that we need and and uh, y- you know we always find usually that uh, afterwards we wish we'd have added some more things to it so we're trying to be careful and and uh, trying to get all those ideas put in there so you pray for us as as we uh, give you that drawing and then we'll work on it some more that's what we've been doing and and uh, just looking forward to seeing what what uh, God is going to do with that and continue to grow uh, the children's ministries here. And I just pray that, that God um, just gives us wisdom and that uh, he just does something great through our church family as we uh, continue to reach out to this community and especially to our kids. They're such a challenge uh, in uh, today's society for our kids and and uh, we know that the devil is real and we just need to uh, step up and and uh, continue to uh, share the gospel and tell people that Jesus is the answer so last week we were in chapter 2 and we went through verses 1 through 7 and we saw the uh, church at Ephesus and and it was there that we saw that they were doing a lot of good things, but they had uh, forgotten one of the, well, probably the most important aspect of the ministry is they had left their first love. And so we, we see that um, in all their commendations that uh, God also had a condemnation against them. But now we're moving into the next church, and this is the church of Smyrna. And the word Smyrna itself means uh, bitter, and I find it interesting that uh, Thane. I asked Thane uh, yesterday if he would take care of the connections class, and he said he would. And then uh, he he was uh, gave us a lesson today on handle ha- how to handle bitterness, and uh, was a very good message and and a very good help uh, in helping each one of us to battle that and and. Now we come into chapter uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, and we see that Smyrna, the very word, means bitter. And, uh, and I think there's a couple of reasons that we see r- what is brought up here, and nothing is by mistake in God's word, and we know that. And, and uh, so we'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. But um, so it says, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna. So 
We already have, have determined that the angel is talking about the messenger of that local church. The pastor is, is who he is talking about, the one that is the representative of that church. And, and that knowing that he's directing this to the, to the pastor, who then is to direct this message to the church itself. And, and uh, uh, we are all accountable together with that, as, just as they are, and and so, and unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. And, and so we have the angel, the, the pastor, and I find this interesting in history and uh, uh, no proof other than some of the history uh, books that, that I've been reading through, but it is believed that during the time of this writing in the early 90s when uh, John was writing this, that uh, Polycarp was the pastor of this church uh, here in Smyrna. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Polycarp, but uh, he was one of the early martyrs of, of the faith, and, and it was believed that he was a pastor of the time of this writing, and, and he was made famous that whenever he'd gone on trial for his faith, and, and they had declared him guilty for being a uh, a, a Christian and a Christ follower, an insurrectionist, you might say, towards the the uh, the dominant religion of that day, and they had deemed him guilty, and so they were going to burn him, tie him up to the stakes, and burn him. And this is what he said as they marched him out. He said, fourscore and six years have I served the Lord, and he never wronged me." How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? They had told him that all you have to do is, is renounce your faith. And, and one of the interesting things during this time of, uh, of these cities and these uh, mercantile cities, and uh, very wealthy they were, and this one was just a little bit north of Ephesus, and so it was another one that had much trade and, and was uh, a, a wealthy seaport, and one of the things that, that the trade guilds were uh, uh, made to do during that time is they all had to say once a year that Caesar is Lord. And those who didn't weren't allowed to work, and, and those who then were true believers were persecuted because they, they would not uh, uh, sever their, their or swear allegiance to, to uh, uh, Caesar and sever the allegiance that they had towards their Savior. And so Polycarp was that pastor of that time, and they had told him, you renounce your faith, and all will be well. And that is when he said, then how can I blaspheme my king and savior? And he was burned alive for his faith. And so now you start understanding kind of the setting of this, and, and you understand the, the setting even of the word Smyrna, meaning bitter. And there's several reasons for, for that. One of the things that that Smyrna was well known for was that they would get it from a plant, but they uh, were, were uh, well known for myrrh. And uh, myrrh was one of those that uh, uh, oils that they used for several things. They used it for the purification of women. They, they used it to uh, 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 heal hurts and burns. They, they used it also in the embalming process of of embalming the dead, and, and so there were 
many uses that they had for it at that time. And, and it was a very bitter perfume that, that was used. And so that has an idea. But we also see Smyrna actually uh, with the word bitter. We're going to see in this that this church was dealing with some very severe persecution. They watched their pastor burn alive. How, how, how much worse could it be than watching that happen? And, and I kind of wonder if that didn't take place in what he's talking about here when we get on further down into verse 10. But here we see the recipient, to the angel of the church in Smyrna. And then he was to do what he was always to do, write down the very words of God. I, 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 I never want you to ever speculate or, or wonder, or if you ever have someone talk to you and say that, uh, make you question whether you have the word of God, shame on them. We have the pure word of God in front of us. God has preserved it and given us this precious word, and, and, he, has, and he has preserved Every single word, even the very pronouns and the conjunctions and, and all of those things that, that make up the sentences that we have. And, and you need to know and understand that this is God's word that we have that has been divinely uh, inspired and divinely kept by the very hands of God because this is what we need to know about God. Now, nature points us to God. Nature shows us that God is real. We understand that, and, and we can look at that, and God even says that that is what nature does, and all of the creation points us to, to a maker and, and understanding who, who he is, but to, to really know who God is and know him thoroughly and to really understand what makes him tick and, 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 and to understand his eternality, his omnipotence, his omniscience, and uh, his ever-presence in our lives, then it comes from his word. And so here we, we understand the importance of his written word, and, and here he tells us these things. Uh, he says, I want you to write them down so that we know them. And so now some 2,000 years later, we are still reading those things that, that God wants us to read and understand. And these things saith the first and the last. When we give thought to who Jesus Christ is, and he is the first and he is the last, then showing us that he's greater than all, that he's a supreme authority. When give thought to a society and give thought to a city that is very wealthy. And, and so you know what you have here? It's typical human nature. You are going to have those who are seeking extreme wealth and they're going to be climbing that ladder and trying to gain more recognition and more power and more favor with all of those in society and trying to find that 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 is what makes them successful and that is what that city was at that time and and so it was all about the wealth and all about impressing those around and 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 God knows that he knew that at the time of that city and and here he is, he's reminding the believers, don't get caught up in any of that, and you need to understand that I am the first and the last. He's all sovereign, he's all powerful, and, and he's the one that has all things in his hands, and so we look to him, and we walk with him, and we trust him, and knowing that Jesus is greater than all today, 
We have a world that's so lost and caught up in that today. We have a we, we have a the 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 politics of things that it's it boggles my mind. Does it you also? I, I mean, my wife being an accountant, so from January first to April fifteenth, I just get madder and madder. You know, uh, and, and and thinking about the wastefulness of of what they spend, and and the arrogance of of what they do in in taking the money that we have, and I I I find it I find it sad. Okay, I probably shouldn't say this, but I am. But I find it sad. There I said it, and there my wife is starting to sweat and screw me up. I find it sad when you see a, a young teenage girl who gets kicked out of her house by her drunk mom and dad, who's probably full of dope also, kicks her out of her house, and there is absolutely nothing that's out there to help her, who's trying to just graduate from high school and trying to find a place to live and trying to find some kind of help somewhere. And we give billions to a corrupt country to fight another corrupt country. And I find it sad that, that we have politicians who leave those Wayward children for the church to pick up the mess. I don't mind doing it. We'll do whatever we have to to help. I think we should to a point. And I, and, and we're, but I find it extremely sad when, when we have people that, that are just like Smyrna in that city who all they're doing is climbing and scraping and walking on the backs of other people to impress someone else around them that they don't even like. And here we have that that is exactly what we have in, in, in this city. And, and God is reminding the believers that you need to remember I'm the first and the last. I'm the most important. And you look to him and we need to be reminded of that. Let us stay focused on the purpose at hand today, and what we ought to be doing in our lives. I, I was talking to a gentleman back in, in North Carolina, and uh, uh, Dr. Beal, who, who was out here, who preached for us, and, and he's the president of the school, and he's also the mayor of little town of Lattimore, and, and they were trying to bring in a casino in that area, and he was fighting against that, and praise the Lord for that, ill-gotten gain, it is never going to be good, okay? And anyway, he's fighting against that. And, and one guy, one politician actually had the audacity to tell him, well, look at if all of these things happen that you're talking about and the homelessness and the, and the, and the, 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 the need of, that's going to be there, well, look how it's going to grow your church. That's the mentality that we deal with today. And so, and, and I don't even need to go into the rest of the conversation, but he, he quickly helped set the guy straight in his thinking that he was wrong in his thinking. But that's kind of the thinking that we had at Smyrna at the time, okay? And, and much of what we have today in our society. And, and, I, and I say all of that just because I want you to understand that, that what we're dealing with is nothing new. And as a matter of fact, it can get a whole lot worse, 
And so we need to understand those things. But here he's reminding them that, that he's the first and the last. He's the all-powerful. And then I love which was dead and is alive. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to, to help you understand the tenses of this a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this trying to insult the Word of God, okay? It just helps me in my understanding. Uh, you could also say that he's the first and the last which became dead and lived. That's our Savior. He overcame death. There is nothing to be concerned about. There's nothing to become so anxious about, about the unknown, and, and, and there's nothing to become bitter about, and there's nothing that, that should drive you to the point of, of insanity or, or, or arrogance or bitterness or anger or wrath or whatever all the other emotions might be. There's no reason for these things because we need to understand that we are serving our omnipotent, sovereign God who is above even death itself, and we should be encouraged by that. And so here we go on, and we think about the promises then that, that he gives us with that. And, and in John chapter 3, and we, we all know this, but do you, do you remember the promise that he gave us in John 3.16? Many of us know this verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do we believe that? Do, do we understand that what he's telling us here, that no matter what may come in our lives, we need to understand that we are serving and we have the Savior that, that died and is alive. And so he became dead but is alive. And, and that promise that he gives to us, I, I love uh, John chapter 5 and verse 24 Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Isn't that good to know? I mean, some things in that that's important. First of all, he says, he that heareth my word. He tells us over in Romans chapter 10 that, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Blessed are the, the feet of those who, who, are, who are promoting and, and propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and here, so we hear the word of God, and you believe on him that sent me, and hath everlasting life, and shall not, shall never come into condemnation. How good is that to know that, that we will not come into that condemnation, but we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us, and, and we are passed from death unto life. Whenever that very moment in your life, when you called on Jesus Christ to be your Savior, He gave you eternal life. And yes, you may die in this physical body, but you are still going to be much, very much alive. When Laura's grandmother passed out of this earth this, this early this morning, all she did was pass into the very presence of the arms of her Savior. How precious is that? How, how can... And, and yes, we can grieve for ourselves and the, and the loss of our loved ones, absolutely. And, and that's okay to do that because they, they have a, a, a place in our lives and in our hearts. But we can also rejoice in the know that one day we shall see them again, knowing that all things are okay, knowing that they are in His presence. And, and that's what He's trying to tell them and trying to encourage them and to remember those things and 
And he tells us in John 6 and verse 40, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I I mean, it it just goes on and on where he he talks about that and knowing and understanding that, that he's the one which was dead and is alive. And whenever we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, all we have is life and we don't need to be concerned anymore about death. Oh, and what a joy it is to know that and, and be able to live in that confidence of that. And, and so now that's what we get into here in verse 9 and, and, and uh, how powerful this is that as, as we look at this, we see four areas of commendation that, that he gives to this church here in Smyrna. Even in all the challenges that are going on around them and, and here in those 10 days, I kind of wonder, and it's only in my own mind, we'll see this in a moment, but I, I just think that he is preparing them for a moment of some severe persecution as he tells them this. He says, first of all, he says, I know thy works. You know what? He knows everything about us too. He knows whether you are his or not. You can't play games with him. You can fool the preacher. You can fool your husband. You can fool your wife. You might fool your children. You might fool your workers or your co-workers and everybody around you and go through the entire life and have everybody fooled, but you'll never fool God. Let us make sure and know and understand that he knows us and knows everything about us. And here he tells us, he says, I know thy works and tribulation. You see, it's their works that got them in trouble. It's their works that they were doing. They were taking their businesses and and using that to glorify and honor God. They were raising their family in a way that honored and glorified God. They were worshiping God in a way that God had showed them and wanted them to worship Him and not in the institutionalized religion of that day, and, but, but rather it was a relationship with the Savior. And, and we see how powerful that was and, and, and their, their particular works that they were doing that, that made them who they were. And he says, I know them and, and I know your tribulation. You know what tribulation is when, when we give thought to this? It has the idea of being oppressed. It means afflicted. But it also means to be pressed. Anybody here ever feel pressed? You ever, you ever feel like you're treading water and, and, and there's weight on you and just kind of like wants to pull you under? And yet you, you ever get to a point where, where you just feel like you can't breathe and, and, and your heart's racing and your mind's racing and, and, and you're thinking, I don't know how in the world I'm going to get through this situation, whatever it is. And, and, and sometimes it might even lead to some kind of an attack in your life and, and, and your, your body's trying to shut down and, and, oh, you're seeing more and more of those kinds of things going on. And, and, and I'm telling you that some of that is tribulation, okay? Some of that is just some mental oppression on your own thoughts. It can be also a demonic oppression that Satan is trying to get in there and mess things up in your life and, and stir up some trouble. And, and, and here we, we see that it could be outside sources also bringing that oppression. And that's in this case, that's a much of what was going on with them. I mean, they're they being pressed hard by those around them. And, and here we see that God says, I know your works, and, and I know your tribulation. Well, God, get us out of this. 
I don't want to be here. I don't want to be going through these things. And, and, and here gives us the opportunity to get mad, get angry, get bitter, start yelling at God, and, and start turning your back on God and walking away because you've been oppressed a little bit in your life. Or do we turn to God because that is what he's wanting us to do. But here he says, I know your works, and, and I know your tribulation that you're dealing with, and, and, and I know the oppression that's taking place. And, you, you know, and it, this wasn't new, n- new in that area either. I mean, you, you go back and you read in 1 Peter chapter 3, and Peter writes in chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, uh, he tells us, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Remember? I know your works. I know all about you. And his ears are open under their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's a scary thought. Really is a scary thought. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. And so instead of being afraid, then we just set God aside in our hearts and our minds and say, Lord, whatever comes, I want to serve you. Whatever happens, I want to be a witness to you. Whatever they say to me, I just want to be able to speak your words and do what it is that you would have me to do. Whatever the tribulation may be in our lives, then let us look to God and, and let us know and understand that God is watching and he knows all the things that we're doing. But he says, I also know your poverty. Poverty brought about because of their faith in Christ Jesus. Remember I said that every year those, those uh, uh, traders would, would have to, uh, m- merchandise traders would have to come out and say, Caesar is Lord. And in that way, they were able to make a living. They were able to, to continue to support their families and continue to make the money that, that they wanted to uh, <clears throat> make. Well, here he says, I know your poverty. And that was an extreme poverty that they lived in. You know, I, I, I've, I've known people who have grown up in extreme poverty. And I've known that most of them are very dedicated and very hard workers because they never want to go back to that. But may I say that if you forget that Jesus Christ is the answer and you, you neglect that and all you do is pursue after wealth and pursue after power and influence, that one day it will not be worth it. You'd rather be broke. You know, he told us, I, I read this this morning in my devotions over in Mark chapter 8, and, and I highlighted it in my Bible because I, I always want to be reminded of this. And in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, and when he had called the people unto him with the disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, whoever it is that says, hey, I wish to come after him, I, I want to follow Jesus, then let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so now deny, and, and, and so you reject all the, the things that you want to do in your life, and, and you forget about the goals that you had set for yourself, and, 
and you forget about where you envision yourself to be and so many years down the line and, and those kinds of things, and you're going to deny those things. You're going to deny the flesh and the lust of the flesh and, and all the things that, that you're seeking honor for, and, and you're going to take up your cross and, and your identity and who you are, and, and instead you're going to lay all that junk at, at the feet of the real cross, and it's there that you are going to follow him. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Oh, how careful we need to be and and, and the, the desires that we ought to have. And 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 here, he, and he reminds them, he says, I know your extreme poverty, but then what does he say? But thou art rich. Oh, you are rich. You're rich in the presence of God. You're rich in the very grace of God. You're rich in love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or self-control. You're rich in all those things that truly matter for all eternity. Oh, sometimes I think we all need to realize that we're spending way too much time chasing after the American dream, and all you're going to do is find out that it's just a nightmare. And so let us make sure that we keep track of what truly is important and, and don't let those things drive you, but rather let them mold you into what it is that God wants you to be. He says, so I know your works, your tribulation. That, and so here we see that one of the commendations, they held up under tribulation. They also held up under extreme poverty, and, and he reminded them about how rich they are. You know, Thane, Thane mentioned this morning in Connections that one of the, the steps of defeating the bitterness in your life is stop looking at all the injustices in your life and start looking at the good things and the blessings that God has given you. How often do we forget those things and forget about how truly blessed we are and, and instead we just focus on the bad and, and God is telling them and reminding them, hey, you guys are rich. But then he goes on and, and so they, they have held up under extreme poverty but, and he reminds them that they're spiritually wealthy but then we also see that they hold up even under slander. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And so now we see that there were those who were claiming to be Jews, but they were blasphemous, and, and they were not. Oh, they might have been physical Jews by birth, but they, they didn't come from Abraham's seed of spirituality. That that is what, what he's telling us. There, there are many Jews today that, that are, are unsaved and, and are a part of what we would consider the synagogue of Satan. But there are also those Jews that have trusted Christ as their Savior. And they are the ones that God considers as the seed of Abraham. And, and it's those that, that have seen and understood the importance of the Messiah and have, have looked to Jesus Christ for their answers and found Jesus Christ to be their Savior. And, and he reminds us that. He, he tells us that 
in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny my Father which is in heaven. Oh, it's so important that we we tell people that we're believers, that we need to share our faith with those around. We need to continue to uh, look for those that that will listen and tell them about Jesus and, and, and really just have the faith and the obedience that even our little kids have at these wrestling meets. Just tell somebody that Jesus is the answer. Look, there are people that are searching and crying out for help all, all over the place, and, and when God brings one to you, then he expects you to tell them about him. But you see, there are those that, that, that uh, the, the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews. They, uh, here, when, when we think about blasphemy, then we, we see that it's abusive speech. It's uh, slanderous speech. It, they, they ridicule. They mock. And, and, and they're, they're contemptuous towards the, the word of God. They're contemptuous towards God himself. And, and, and here we see that that they were, they were uh, blasphemous not only against God, but they were blasphemous against the, the uh, believers that were there and slanderous. And how many of you can say that, yes, I've been slandered, and can you say that you haven't allowed that to make you angry and bitter towards someone? Boy, how careful we need to be. You see, God is telling them that, look, I know everything that you are going through. I understand and I can see that I, I know your works and I know that it's brought tribulation on your life because of your stand for me. I understand the poverty that you're going through, but you need to realize how wealthy and rich you really are and, and look to that and see the hand of God upon that. And, and I know that you are dealing with those who are slandering you and, and saying evil things about you and, and doing all of those things, but you need to understand that they're doing it against the sovereign, almighty, omnipotent God more so than you. Know how you need to remember those things and... And so he's bringing all of that to remembrance because then he starts in verse 10. If there's anything that you might say is a condemnation towards Smyrna, this would be it. And, and I, don't, I don't see it this way at all, but the one negative thing, he gives them a command, fear none of these things. And that's a command to stop fearing. You need to quit living your life afraid. Boy, how many times have we seen that over the last few years? How, Look, I, I don't mind people living cautiously, okay? I, I don't have a problem with that. But I have a real problem with we as believers walking around scared to die and scared of everything around us, scared of the shadows that the demons might throw at you, or scared of your own imagination, or scared of something that, that the world tells you you ought to be afraid of, when all that God is telling you is stop being afraid. When you are afraid, then you need to understand that isn't coming from God. God is tell, telling us over and over, the uh, peace be still. He, he says, stop being afraid. Over and over and over, stop being afraid. I think one of the worst testimonies that we can have as believers is to be afraid to die. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the process. 
But nobody as a believer ought to be afraid to die. And I believe that if we are walking with God as we should, then he will give us dying grace in that day. Just as Polycarp said, how in the world for 87 years I have followed my Savior and not once he's let me down, then why in the world should I blaspheme God now? And he voluntarily went and crawled up on that stake and let him tie him up and he burned in front of everybody. What a faith. Dying grace that God can give us. And, and so now this is where it gets pretty heavy. He says, fear none of those things. So stop being afraid, which thou shalt suffer. Uh-oh, wait a minute, God. What did you just say? He said, hey, don't worry about the bad things coming. Did I hear that right? God, I thought being a believer meant smooth, smooth sailing. The wind's always at my back. And, and what, you know, what, what was that old song? We'll be, we'll, we'll be drinking free bubble up and eating rainbow stew. That really dates me. But we find out that he says, stop being afraid. Stop being anxious. Stop, stop worrying about what you cannot control. Stop worrying about things that, that come to your mind that may never happen. And instead, focus on what you ought to be doing. And so he says here, and then he goes into detail. He says, behold... The devil shall cast some of you into prison. I really don't look forward to that. Maybe the rapture will come. We all know they don't make the cots big enough. The food's probably not very good either. Maybe if I do go to jail, some of you guys could slip me some food through the bars. Well, they can, uh, you know, use a slingshot and shoot a muffin through there. <laughs> uh, but he said, some of you are going to get cast into prison that you may be tried. Two things with this, that you could go in front of the court in a, a mock trial and a joke of a trial, whatever, but I think it's far more than that, that ye may be tried, that your, your faith will be tried. You know, he tells us in 1 Peter 1, 7 that the trial of your faith is precious. And so to prove, it's not to prove to God that you will be faithful. He already knows. But I think it's two things that will prove to yourself, hey, God's got this, and I can trust him, and others will see that you are faithful all the way through whatever the trial in whatever the, the persecution may be. And you may be tried. And you're going to go through those trials. God, why are you allowing that to happen? Why are these bad things happening? Because I want to try your faith. I want your faith to be strong. I want you to understand that there are bad things that take place in a bad world. And this is the devil's world. And and you ought to understand that there's something much better waiting for you on the other side. And, and so it's okay that, that there are going to be these things. And, and there's going to be injustices. And, 
and there's going to be wickedness around you, and, and there's going to be things that are going to affect you, and, and not all things are going to go easy, but in all of that, you need to understand that I'm there with you, and, and I know your works, I know your tribulation, I know your poverty, even though I, you, you are rich, I, I know that there's people that are slandering you, and, and I know that you're going to suffer, and, and I know that the devil is going to cast some of you into prison, and make things hard, and, and, and I know all of those things, but the trial of your faith is precious. You're going to come through this, and, and you're going to find God to be even more faithful, and, and you're going to find yourself to be faithful, and people are going to see your faith, and many will turn and trust as, uh, Christ as their Savior because of that, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. He was very explicit on this. They, they were getting ready, and, and maybe this was at the very time when their pastor went to the stake and died by being burned to death. I don't know. Could have been, but he was very particular here and said, you are getting ready to go through a severe trial, and, and you need to understand, and, and I believe he's just literal here, that, that in this case, for 10 days, it's going to be a rough time for you guys. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. It's okay. You know what? We will go through trials. We're, we're going to be challenged along the way. Some of you are going through trials right now. Some of you might be dealing with financial trials. Some of you might be dealing with family trials. Some of you might be dealing with health trials. Some of you might, might be just, I, I don't know, whatever. Maybe it's just your own mind is your trial. That's where mine, mine, that's my trial. You know, sometimes I'm like, God, just give me a reset. You know, let's, let's just reset and start over and clear all this muck out of here and let's move forward. But you know what he tells us in all of this? I mean, I know all these things that are going to be happening. And what does he tell? Be thou faithful. Just be faithful. Just be faithful in what you know to do. What, what does God's word say? This is what I want to do. This is how I want to go through this, God, and I want to honor and glorify you and whatever the challenges are, and, and I want to make the right decisions along the way, and, and, and I just want you to know that, that, that I, ju I just want people to know that, that you're my Savior and that I love you and that I want to be faithful in that, and I don't want to turn and say, Caesar is God or Caesar is Lord, but I just want to keep saying that Jesus is Lord and one day he's coming back and, and he's the one that, that was dead, who became dead and lived. And that's the one I serve and I know that at that very moment when I trusted Christ, same for me. Because of who Christ is, I became dead but lived. And I live for eternity. The crown of life being eternal life and he that hath an ear... How many of you here have ears? I think all of you do. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Overcometh means the one who conquers. The one who conquers his fear. The one who defeats the bitterness. The one who realizes, yes, bad things happen to good people and 
I understand that, God, and, and it's okay, and I'm going to trust you through it, and, and I'm going to wade through the mud, and, 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 and I'm going to go in, in the path that you want me to go, and, and it's not what I expected, and it was, it's definitely not what I want, and, and, and it's not where I thought I would be at this time in my life, but yes, I'm going to go through that, and, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to hold your hand, and, and there are going to be times when maybe I can't even see the trail because of the tears in my eyes, but I'm going to continue to trust you and to walk with you and even in the times when I am scared to death I'm just going to keep following you and walk with you and trust you because what a vicious, vicious time it will be in the second death Revelation chapter 20 and I'll end with this verses 14 and 15 death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire you know the first one that goes is that antichrist the one that shakes his fist at god declares himself to be god and makes a mockery of everything that god is and he paves the way for so many that are afraid, I don't know, afraid of giving up their pride, afraid of what people are going to say, afraid of what people think, afraid of trusting something that you don't have all the answers to. But you just learn to trust God. And you realize how much he loves you and that he sent his only begotten son and let him die on that vicious cross, and, and he made the sacrifice for our sins on that day when he died on that cross, and then he showed us that he was God when he rose again that third day, and, and showed us how powerful it was in what he did, and, and through that, that if you would have a change of mind, and, and forget about the pride, and, and forget about the fear, and Forget about the unanswered questions and, and you just come to him with a humble heart and in a realization that what he has done for you and, and was totally out of love and that you owe him, I, I, I'm, there, there's nothing you can offer him. You just come to him and in his love and his mercy and his grace and you plead for Jesus and, and you realize in the realization of who you are and what, who he is and what he's done and, and you plead unto him and call unto him, he'll save you today. How joyful is that? But if you don't, hell is real. Oh, everybody wants to believe in heaven, but if you're going to believe there's a heaven, you've got to believe there's a hell. And they're both just as real. And hell is not a place where we want anyone to go. Anyone. Even the worst of what we consider would be our enemies. We do not want them to be there. The wrath of God and the, the departure from all around them to be alone in agonizing torture for all eternity. We don't want that. We don't. And so what does he tell us? You shall not in no way ever, do you hear me, be hurt 
by the second death. How precious and gracious is our Savior today. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. How good is that to know? And so let us be like the church of Smyrna. No matter what comes, whatever happens, let us remain faithful. Let us be the watchmen for our community, for our families, for our church, and see God use us greatly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, you make it so simple. You tell us in 1 John, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for making us conquerors, not in who we are, but because of the one who we place our faith in. Lord, there's challenges in our days and challenges in our lives right now, and many are facing them right now. Lord, I pray that you would help them to realize the power that is there in you and that, Father, they would look to you and just be faithful, faithful to your word, faithful to what your will has shown us in your word. And I pray, Father, that you will be honored and glorified in what takes place today. I pray you work in the hearts of each one who's here. And, Lord, if there's something they need to deal with, whatever business they need to take care of with you, Father, I pray that they would do so today. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 816 in your hymnal. Have thine own way, Lord. We're just going to sing that first verse, have thine own way. Let's all stand as we sing. If you need to do business, now's the time to do so. You can come. You can take care of business right there in the seat where you're at. Just make sure that before you leave here today that your heart's right with, with the Lord before you leave today. Let's sing that first verse, have thine own way. Sometimes that's the hardest part, isn't it? While I am waiting, yielded and still. But that's what he wants. And so let's just remain faithful and uh, be what it is that God would have us to be. God bless each one of you for being here today. Uh, don't forget, VBS meeting for anybody that wants to help with that right over here. Those guys that are headed with me up for the spiritual awakening, spiritual retreat called Ice Fishing. We'll be meeting over here for just a couple minutes, and uh, but so good to see you. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you again for today. Thank you, Lord, for each one who's here. Thank you for our family, and thank you, Lord, for Jesus who makes us that family. I pray that you bless and guide us home safely and bring us back when the doors are open. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.